This week, a real fun episode. We've got a member of the Mean Street Posse. Yes, a member of Shane McMahon's gang, you know, from those mean streets of Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, Pete Gass is going to join us. A great conversation uh, about the incredible ride, uh, though brief, that uh, Pete had with the WWE. But I'm telling you, not only uh, are there some, uh, you know, just great stories about uh, that experience, but also uh, we get a great look into the world of the McMahon family and what it was like to be around Vince when Shane was growing up. I mean, uh, you know, we forget that besides running the most successful, uh, one of the most successful businesses uh, anyway in the world of entertainment, uh, Vince McMahon is also a dad. And uh, we got uh, a great look into that world, some awesome stories that he talks about uh, uh, concerning that relationship between uh, Vince and uh, Shane O'Mac. Time to hit the gas. Uh, Pete Gas, that is. Ding, ding, ding. Folks, uh, once again, we welcome uh, a great guest to Primetime with Sean Mooney. And uh, he's a tremendous story. Um, and I have uh, a few memories of my own back in the day when uh, I was living in Stamford, Connecticut, which uh, I'm going to bring up uh, a few times here in this conversation. But I want to welcome Pete Gas, Pete Gasparino, uh, many of you know from the Mean Street Posse, the Mean Streets of Greenwich. Uh, Pete, great to have you on PTSM. How are you, my friend? Oh, Sean, thank you very much for having me. It's an honor. I've... Uh... I always wondered if I was ever going to be honored to uh, grace your presence on this show. Uh, thank you for having me, though. It's great. Well, uh, uh, really, it's. Uh, I'm glad that we finally were able to connect here. And, um, you know, I first really met you in person, I guess you could say, because uh, I don't know if you remember before that when I was working in Stanford. Uh, but... Um, we did the Edge and Christian show, and it's a uh, you know. And when we're recording this, folks, uh, sadly, uh, this morning I just heard about the passing of Gene Okerlund, and uh, we did yeah. that show with Gene, and it's it's been a really it's been really uh, a tough day because all these memories come flooding back. And I just saw Gene uh, recently back at WrestleCade. That was the last uh, opportunity I had a chance to see him, but um, and I don't know how many chances you had uh, to work with him as well. But it, it's really it's it's a sad day in the. Uh, world of professional wrestling and and the entertainment world. I mean, Gene was uh, known throughout the world for what he did in front of the camera. Yeah, yeah. I um. Well, it's funny because uh, I was at work and I was going out. I'm an outside sales, so I got into my car and I got a chance to look at my phone and uh, I saw that you know there was a lot of activity on Twitter and I saw the saw the word and then my wife had texted me and said that mean Gene had passed away and it really made me sad. Uh, because, you know, as you know, he was such a, a great guy and I don't know anyone oh. that had anything negative to say about the guy. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, that, you know, we, the stuff that we did with him a couple of years ago in season one of the edge and Christian show that day was an absolute blast, uh, sitting in, uh, Chris Chambers office prior to shooting and just hearing stories from him and just, I just had an absolute blast, but I had known him. I knew him from years ago when Shane and I were in high school, just, you know, going to his house, Christmas parties. And I do remember you obviously from way back in the day as well. Yeah, from you were like one of the, the kids uh, in the neighborhood. And I, I, you guys came to the TV yeah. studio a few times and it was just these guys that hung out with Shane and, you know, Shane was just a kid growing up and <laughs> uh, it's amazing how, <laughs> how fast the time goes by. But uh, yeah, really yeah. it is. It's, it's been a, a tough day uh, for me, uh, uh, 
because I you know got to know Gene so well and he helped me out so much early on in my career. And um, you know, I saw him when I was in Winston-Salem and um, he, he'd been having issues with his health for a while. But uh, as always, we always think that, you know, these guys are going to live forever. And that certainly isn't the case in the wrestling business. But uh, I want to I want to look back, though, with you. Uh, and like you mentioned, that 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 day that we uh, shot uh, in Stanford at the TV studio with Gene and uh, and uh, Jay and, and um, Adam, it really was just a blast. And I, I think, you know, remember, we did like the whole set, the premise, folks. And if you haven't seen the the show um, and, and I'll let Pete talk about some of the what, what his antics were on that one. But the premise with Gene and I that they brought us in is that uh, we thought we were coming in to be like the show's announcers where, you know, where we're going to, you know, and Gene apparently didn't know I, they had invited me to, you know, compete for this position. Well, we both get there and then we find out that it's no, it's not for an announcer's job. It's for the bartender's job, <laughs> which, you know, that show is just such lunacy. But, um, you know, with, with Gene, who just rolls with everything. And I just remember and I don't know if you remember, Pete, but some of the lines in the prompter were just like so blue. I mean, I had no idea what they could get away with on that show. And I, you know, yeah. like eat my ass, Mooney, or so. <laughs> so like, I mean, and, and and you know, I mean, and it just, uh, I, I just, I, I remember laughing so hard, I cry, you know, crying for and being around Gene, uh, and and that was just another example because he his his delivery on stuff was just so incredible, Perfect. and I wish that a lot of people had known him. Uh, you know, they certainly knew him some, for so many decades in front of the camera, but all but behind the camera, he was just so damn funny. And uh, God, God, I'm going to miss him. Yeah, I think that yeah, I think you said it best right there. It's just the people, you know, people loved him as an announcer. Yeah. But had they gotten to know him like like we 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 got to know him and you much better than I did. But for the way I got to know him, he couldn't help. Not you know you you had to love the guy and like you said the the way he said told you to you know eat his ass and stuff it was just absolutely <laughs> priceless and oh my god uh, you know and it, that's the beauty of that that Edge and Christian show that it, it's uh they allow you to say basically whatever you want and if it's too vulgar then they uh but they write in the vulgar lines and then they beep it if they have to which right, is uh right. it's just great stuff but yeah here's to hear someone like Gene tell you to eat his ass is just priceless. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but uh, and and I actually took a picture of that prompter line because I just wanted to save it. I never posted it anywhere, but I I just said I've got to I've got to <laughs> save this picture because no one you know uh, no one will believe that this is actually what went on. And it 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 ended up in the show, but uh, you know Gene yeah. just just was an original, and um, you know his his lines and his voice just unmistakable. And I, I've said it many times, and I'll say it again. Uh, you know, there were uh, there was Gene Okerlund, and then there were the rest of us. And I, and I, that's the way I will always feel about Gene. That's but uh, but but looking back though, that day that that uh, the Edge and Christian show, and you've become uh, good friends with the two of them. Uh, I, I, you know, that's when I first met them, and I've I've stayed in touch with them. They've had me on had me on again this year. Uh, and I know that you did a show, and I don't know if it's out yet, um, but uh, playing off the mean streets of Greenwich, I don't know if you had to have a lot of security when you shot that, but uh, 
Is that <laughs> is that out yet, or is that we're not supposed to be talking about it? <laughs> yeah, no, it came out. It came out. Uh, it was actually out about uh, three weeks ago. It came out. It came okay. out a week before Christmas. And then uh, I was actually in your episode. I was actually uh, I forgot the guy's name. Uh, the guy that um, oh geez, this is what happens, uh, Sean, when you've been hitting the head. The with, recently, uh, the the recent one, the one in the Moonies. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the guy that uh, gosh, the deformed guy. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. No. Um, this is what happens when Bradshaw hits you in the head. Yeah, with a chair. I was gonna say. He kind of, he kind well, of it doesn't take too many of those. Yeah, but uh. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, it's uh, I can't think of his name, and I apologize. Um, the the guy that's kind of deformed. Um, they, they dressed me up as him and they used, uh, the computer to kind of just form my face and look just almost basically just like the guy. And, uh, and I'll think of it probably sometime from, later on when I'm sitting down having dinner. From a but, movie, um, a character? What would... Yeah, from that, from the, from the Goonies character. Oh, 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 uh, okay. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I actually came swinging through on a, on a vine. I don't, I guess, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, yeah, the at the very product. end. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that um, was me. That's um, funny. Because we then, shot that uh, separately, Mike, that's why I said I didn't see Pete there. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, you, you're part of the the classic uh, television now. Once again, <laughs> right, right? Well, I'm, I, I haven't gotten the to chance to see. I haven't seen the, uh, the 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 Mean Street Posse one, but I uh, it's definitely on my list because uh, they're fun to watch. And you know, one thing I can't believe is, first of all the talent that they got to come on. I mean, it's pretty much everybody, but even more so than that, Pete is, is what that, you know, the costumes and the stupid things they got them to do is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny that, uh, I, when I talk to Adam about it, he always tells me, um, there's always a lot of stories involved back behind the scenes. And yeah. I, the, this last one, they flew me to Baltimore and we shot for a day there. And then we took a bus from Baltimore to Stanford, Connecticut to do the, the, uh, a bunch of, you know, a lot more scenes, um, right. in Stanford for, for other episodes and stuff. And he, um, they were telling me on the bus that all the talent, the current talent on the rosters, uh, are dying to do this show. Like they, they don't care about doing any other show, but they want to be a part of the edge and Christian show. <laughs> And so I, I was always worried, like, oh, maybe next season I'm going to get bumped. But according to Edge, you know, there's a bunch of us, you included, that are we're grandfathered in. So there's uh, we're guaranteed uh, some paydays, which is always yeah. nice. Always well, and, those extra paydays. and even better than that is that we get to go and, and get to play make-believe for another day. Yeah. But you have to admit, though, how many laughs? are there when you're when you're there shooting on the side oh, i think there's it's yeah i mean, I, I mean it's I non-stop probably, i don't tell them this i i probably do it for free but don't tell them because uh yeah, yeah I mean, they'd probably make me do it for free yeah me too <laughs> yeah, i tell people the story when we're on the uh the dock you know where the where carlito has his boat or ship or whatever you want to uh -huh. call it and he uh and we're we're, we're just dressed ridiculously yeah, i'm in boxer shorts you know Everybody's got this whatever costume of piracy or whatever, you know, uh, Santino's there and Vicky Guerrero. And this and this couple, uh, two couples are going out to get on their their boat, you know, and, you know, it's down in, in down in Greenwich. And, and uh, they come by and they look at us like what and how in the world 
are they doing on this dock? Right. And as they come by, and they look at us, and they kind of stop and pause, and I said, uh, we'll explain all this later. And they just broke up. <laughs> and they just kind of looked at us like, okay. And they just wandered off. But it was it was so fun. I mean, we and we we shot some scenes at a, a house where uh, there's an apparatus connected to this trophy, and uh, it, and just the, the lines that came out of that. And Tommy Dreamer is so funny too. He's hysterical, uh, you know. Absolutely. And he's kind of there. He's he's their uh, Ed McMahon, I think, of that of that troupe. And uh, they just have him do all kinds of crazy things, but uh, really, really, it's it, it's just a blast. And I, I hope that uh, when they do another one, we get we actually get to uh, get on the scene together. Yeah, uh, I hope so. That'd be great. Okay. Well, I tell you, I want to take you back before we get into, of course, all of uh, you know what happened uh, once you uh, were a part of the WWE. But as I mentioned, you know, I I arrived in Stanford in, in 1988, um, and yeah. um, I always tell people that. You know, at that time, the, the company was pretty small, and everybody knew each other. We were, uh, in many ways, like a family. And, um, you know, to go out to Vince's house was not that unusual. Uh, they used to have gatherings, and, and we would all go. And, uh, you know, Pat Patterson lived there, and he had a house uh, there with uh, with Louie, his partner. And people would be there, and they'd have you know, these crazy parties with bands and everything. Um yeah. But I, I tell you, I, I, do you remember uh, as far as what the company was like at that time? And um, it was growing leaps and bounds, of course. You know, they'd had WrestleManias and, and it was really. But at the same time, it was a small company in a way. I won't even say a corporation in a sense, even though it was. Yep. I mean, I remember back when it was in Greenwich, when it was uh, just a couple of floors in a small office building. Yeah. And it was real tiny. And then... Uh, you know, as, as it progressed and stuff, and then it eventually went to Titan tower. Right. And then, like you said, you know, Vince would have parties at his house. I, I remember when we were in high school going to Christmas parties and it was funny cause you know, we always wanted to come. We you never go anywhere empty handed. And we, you know, we knew Vince drank scotch, uh-huh. but Vince drank, you know, Vince drank Louie. He didn't drink. Uh, and we were bringing him the, the crappiest scotch the cheap stuff. <laughs> we didn't know any, yeah, we didn't know. We who, who knew anybody? Yeah, we didn't know anybody. We were kids, you know. We yeah. we went to the liquor store because we all had fake IDs, and we were bringing <laughs> bottles of scotch. But they were like twenty dollars bottles of scotch, and he's drinking, you know, yeah. <laughs> his scotch. That was uh, wasn't even yeah, in, in the ballpark, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, I'm sure uh, he was appreciative but, though at the same time, probably. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Great Absolutely. stuff. <laughs> right. And, Put uh, this in the special cabinet. Going... <laughs> yeah, the garbage. <laughs> but I remember going to uh, going to the parties. I remember um, Santa Claus being there. You know, he always had that one guy playing Santa Claus at his house. And I remember he had a bar on each end of the house. I don't know if you remember that. And he would have you. Li- we literally would grab a drink at one end. And and we were when we were at Vince's house, even when there was not a Christmas party or whatever, we were allowed to drink, but we just weren't allowed to leave. So we would always spend the night. And we grab a drink on one end of the bar and you know, at one end of the house and then we make our way to the, by the time we got to the other end, our drinks were empty. We fill up there and go back to the other end and just keep going back and forth all night. And just, we would get loaded as kids. So yeah. we, uh, right. we had, we had a lot of fond memories of that house. It was great. So, uh, no, go ahead. I want to hear more. Go ahead on the house. No, I was going to say, I remember when the house was being built and Vince was renting a house down around the corner 
when I say around the corner, about a mile down the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was renting a home, and we were, as kids, we were swimming in the, in the pool, and Vince went to go get us beer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, again, you know, we, we gave up our keys and stuff, and he went to go get his beer. When he came back, there was a motorcycle uh, that was pulled up the driveway with him. And uh, at that time, uh, carrying the beer up with Vince was Hulk Hogan. Oh, no, no, yeah, so he came up and he was carrying beer. And then I, at the 15 year reunion, I actually saw him and I hadn't seen him in so long. I introduced myself and he was basically like, Pete, I know, you know, I, I remember you. And I was like, well, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> and uh, and I told him about the story. I was like, that was, a, you know, do you remember this? I remember this time. I'm sure you don't remember. But you know, I told him the story and he, he kind of paused and he's and we're in Bridgeport now at the at the arena. Yeah. And it, he paused and he's kind of like, you know, grabbing his chin. And he says, so wait a minute, I, I carried your beer. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of laughed and I'm like, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I guess you did. He's like, well, I guess you owe me one. Go get me an effing beer. So I had to go up into the, to the, to the concession and get him a beer. So I thought it was kind of funny because like, he actually really wanted a beer. So I had to go up and get him a beer from the concession stand. So it was, uh, Sweater vest and all, I ran up there and grabbed him a beer. I'm sure you didn't mind make, uh, running that errand, though, either. No, no. And I didn't mind paying for it for him. Uh, okay. You know, at that time, too, it was funny. Yeah. Now, so backing up here, and I'm, I'm trying, I want to create kind of a situation where, uh, you know, where people can understand uh, what it was like uh, at that time, like when you're in high school. And uh, yep. pretty much Vince and Linda had a, what you would call, or, or, or a, a, you know, something similar to a normal life. They wanted to raise their two kids and, and, and basically, you know, of course it's a different world in Greenwich, but how in the world, how, like, how did you become friends with Shane? Uh, p- people must've known he was Vince's son. And so how did it, how did you guys actually, you know, become friends? So, so in, in Greenwich, there's like three different junior high schools and uh, Rodney and Shane went to central. I went to, Eastern and we were rivals in football and all that. And so I knew who Shane was. And, uh, you know, I, I saw when we played against him in football, I saw Vince up in the stands and all that stuff. And then when we got to high school, the school's so big, we all played on the same football team. You know, at first I was like, Oh, this kid's going to be, you know, a snob. It was was the furthest thing from the truth because anyone that truly knows the McMahons, it's, not they're not the characters you see on television they're actually i mean they're very kind-hearted people they're i mean linda is one of the sweetest human beings i know i couldn't say i couldn't speak any more highly about her she's you know and and that goes for all of them and uh you know they care about people and and helping and, and everything else and when uh i got um I got to know Shane from playing football. We both played offensive lines, so we automatically did everything together, and we had, you know, classes together and everything else. And mm-hmm. and uh, I actually helped Shane get through tenth grade Spanish because he cheated off me the whole time. And then uh, <laughs> See? we we um we had we had some good fun times together. We all we all hung out, and uh, but you know, like right away, you know, like you go to you went to the house and you were accepted and you literally felt like one of Vince's uh, kids because he treated yeah. everybody normal. We would watch football on Sundays. Uh, I, I remember watching playoff games where 
Vince was a big Redskins fan back then, and I remember watching the Redskins versus the Lions and playoffs and all that stuff. And it was uh, it was pretty uh, it was fun. It was real. It was a lot of fun to uh, be included there. And you know, Vince is so much. He was so, he's larger than life, you know. So you see him, and then to know him as a person, it's it's really kind of special. Now, you know, when people think of Greenwich, Connecticut, and, and rightly so in many cases, it is, uh, you know, like largest mass of, of uh, personal fortune there is. But you know, there's also you know, people that live there that, are, you know, don't have a whole lot of money. Um, I know that you've worked your whole life. Uh, so did you not, you know, were you a rich kid growing up? I mean, did you come, did you come from a wealthy family or, or, or no? <laughs> no. No, my father was a plumber. He was a cop for a while, and then uh, he was a plumber. So we were middle class, but my parents bought their house for thirty-five thousand dollars back in nineteen sixty-nine. And my father was afraid of going for the house down the road, which was forty thousand dollars, because he was mm-hmm. worried about making that mortgage payment of, yeah. you know, I think his mortgage payment was one hundred and six dollars a month, and he was worried about making it. And uh, you know, times weren't always the best and he got laid off a lot you know when, when there was no work he, he didn't work and yeah we uh so it wasn't you know rodney's parents were the same thing rodney's parents owned an upholstery shop but you know not everyone's getting their furniture reupholstered in granite so just right. junking the stuff and going to uh going to buy new furniture you know so there are some uh there's it's not all like backcountry Greenwich or on down by the water where there's all mansions and, you know, and Rolls Royces, but you know, there's, and that's the beauty of the McMahons because they never treated anyone, you know, everybody wore, put on their pants the same way and they treated everybody with respect and cared for everyone. It didn't matter what your uh, social status was. Yeah. And that's, that's a point I really wanted to bring up, uh, Pete, because, uh, and when you mentioned Rodney folks, he's talking about Rodney Leinhardt, who was also a part of the mean street posse. But, you know, you two, you grew up as, like you said, middle-class kids. You had uh, parents that you were know, working and uh, trying to take care of their families. So when you think of Greenwich, a lot of people think, of course, yeah, there is certainly a lot of wealth there, a lot of wealthy people. But was it, um, it must have been kind of a, a wonderland to you, though, to go to that house and just, not not just for the wealth, but also you're seeing, like you said, Hulk Hogan's there. He drops by. I, I imagine that happened on a lot of occasions. But with, you know, yeah, have different I mean, superstars. We, yeah, I mean, like, so where Shane's parents live, you know, it's a, it's an area where it's obviously it's a very wealthy area. Yeah. Um, they had a there was like a club air, clubhouse area where Yvonne Lendl used to practice tennis at the clubhouse, <laughs> yeah. and we and it had a basketball court, and we would go there, and we would be in there while Yvonne Lendl was like, I don't know, like. 20 yards away from us practicing tennis and we're throwing basketballs at each other, trying to make each other trip when we're going up for layups and like someone's going up for a shot and we're, you know, undercutting the guy and falling. And like, you know, we were delinquents, you know, we were doing stuff <laughs> like that, you know, and then, you know, and, and then the next morning after being hung over, we go to this, the, the, we call it the little red barn to go get egg sandwiches and Ron Howard's there. And he's, uh, you know, he knows us all by name because he would see us like every Sunday morning because we'd be there with a hangover getting breakfast, you know, like, yeah. but it was, you know, it was just normal. I guess it was nor- a normal routine for us. Like we didn't get starstruck over it, but it was kind of like more like, you know, hey, what's going on, Yvonne? What's going on? You know, stuff like it was yeah. just more of a, 
but you know, no one treated, you know, they all knew us as goofballs, but we just kind of did everything. But we, again, we were just, you know, we were with Shane and, and that was just, I guess, I guess our free pass, I guess if we weren't with Shane, we would have been kicked out of there or the cops called or whatever, but we got away with a lot of stuff. Yeah. And you know, the thing is about that area and I lived there, uh, till 93, um, you know, and I was I married the first time in, in Darien, and uh, you know it, it really was, it, you know, there are a lot of people like you mentioned, a lot of these uh, celebrities who lived in that area, but different than Hollywood, these people just, and especially in these places, because a lot of these people had money, whatever, but they were treated just like anybody else. I mean, you could go down, uh, you know, to a local sandwich shop, and you know, Paul Newman lived up, I mean, he would be there getting a sandwich, you know, and it was, uh, yeah. It was very much like that. But um, you mentioned in your book, and folks, if you haven't checked it out, Looking at the Lights, My Path from Fan to a Wrestling Heel, and I'll mention it several times in our conversation here, but um, I really enjoyed in, in, in reading about the the young Shane, who, uh, you know, I, I look at what he's he does, and I'm sure you're, you're the same way. I know you've talked about, you know, some of the, the bumps, and I don't even, how can you even call them bumps? They're... <laughs> magnificent magnificent stunts in some ways that you know I, where i'm like oh my god you know what he is what he yeah. does but you say that this is the shane you you always knew uh tell us yeah. a few a few incidents that you witnessed with him as kids before all of this madness started with the wwe yeah well i mean one of them that always kind of stands out is when we were we finally uh we're freshmen in college and we come back and we go to a keg party at one of our a guy we played football with this kid, Will hunting. We go to his house and we're in the backyard and there's a girl I'm trying to talk to and, you know, try to rekindle a flame that had been out or whatever. And, uh, all of a sudden, you know, I guess Shane, Shane had come in with a, a, a bunch of the, our buddies and <clears throat> he decided that, um, he didn't want to, he didn't want to be there anymore. He wanted to use the fake IDs that one of the guys that we played football with had made us a, a year earlier. And he said he wanted, you know, he wanted to go to a bar and, and really tear it up. And, and, uh, you know, you go out to a bar with Shane and it's not like you're buying, you know, every, not everyone buys around. You try to buy around and he, it's, he doesn't accept that, you know, mm-hmm. like, so you have to try to be smarter than him, but he's already told the bartender not to accept any of our money. Um, and then he goes and buys around and it's always like, well, give everybody three beers and two shots. <laughs> and that's how he buys rounds. And it's like, you know, so you, you, you really walk out inebriated. And, yeah. um, so they decide that they want to go to a bar and they want to bring Pete gas with them. So, uh, you know, I, I, I was trying to give him the look like, you know, I'm good. I'm fine where I am. I'll meet up with you guys, which meant, you know, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Cause I was trying to, you know, yeah, work this girl, work out something. Yeah. And, uh, next thing you know, they all literally pick me up by each limb and carry me. And they, and Shane's truck was once again in the, uh, shop because his, uh, Shane had that, I don't know if you remember, he had a big Ford F-150. Yeah, it's a monster truck. Yeah, yeah, big monster yeah, truck. Yeah, like a monster truck. And he yeah. tried to drive over everything and he always kept blowing out the drive shaft. So it was always in the shop <laughs> and he had the maids like Lincoln Ford or the, the, the town car which was like a mint green. I don't know if you remember that thing, but it was a tank. So, yeah. uh, he had her car and, and they throw me in the back and we're on the highway and we're heading down to a, a part of Greenwich. And all of a sudden they decide that they're going to go surfing on the top of the car, like uh team wolf, the movie team wolf. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, 
sure, sure enough, there goes Shane. He's riding on top of the car. And, you know, Shane, I always said he's an adrenaline junkie and he's riding on top of the car. And then, you know, Rodney's on the hood and he's grabbing onto the, uh, the windshield wipers and his can of dip falls out of his shirt pocket and, uh, it's rolling out. And, you know, that $3 can of tobacco back then, you know, what's more important your life or your tobacco. Yeah. He goes and grabs the tobacco, like let's go of the wipers. And I'm just sitting in the back saying something's never changed. You know, I'm like, but Shane's surfing on the car and everyone's laughing and we've had a bunch of beers in us. And I'm like, that's uh-huh. all we need is to hit a bump. And you know what I mean? But that was Shane, you know, we, yeah. and then, but, uh, and then on the way home that night, we drop, uh, Rodney off at a, a girl's house and we're going and we're driving and, uh, Shane decides he's going to start driving over people's shrubs and <laughs> running into some fences and stuff and just being reckless with the car. And next thing you know, we're, I see cop headlights behind us. And I said, oh, I said, God. Shane, I said, there's a and I'm sitting in the back. Now the kid, uh, I don't know if you remember Willie green. He was in one of the vignettes or a couple of vignettes years ago, but he was, uh, he was a real, you know, delinquent he he had picked up a rock the size of a bowling ball he wanted to throw through someone's windshield i was like what is you know how old are we you know yeah and uh sure enough cop lights start flashing and i said shane i told oh i said i said shane there's a cop behind us he says no it's a jeep and i said shane i know i know the difference between a cop headlight and a jeep (laughs) headlight sure enough the lights hit Uh. willie throws this boulder behind me in the back and it hits Uh. me in the shin and i got it i'm trying to cover my feet and the cop pulls over and Shane gets out of the car, which you're not supposed to do. So the guy's like yelling yeah. and the guy wants to give Shane a ticket. So the ticket was for like 80, like 80 something dollars. And then Shane says, well, can I pay you here now? <laughs> and then the guy thought Shane was being a wise guy <laughs> and he starts, he starts screaming at him. And then he, Shane hands him the, his driver's license and he sees that he's Vince's son. And then the next thing you know, we're in the car and, and, uh, <laughs> we're, we're driving away scot-free yeah, no home, yeah. and i'm just like he had more lives than a cat it just, yeah i mean it's just unbelievable you know he just but that's uh that's shane that's a, that was always you know he he always found like the highest place to jump off of at the falls in greenwich or he always yeah. found ways to do the craziest stunts and that was just him yeah to make total sense now one thing though we should point out here and at least from what i witnessed Vince was pretty strict with 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 uh, Shane, uh, you know, like because a lot of people yeah. might think he was just this kid that ran free and got to do whatever he want. Uh, that wasn't necessarily the case. I mean, Vince was uh, pretty pretty much a disciplinarian, wasn't he? Yes, he was, and Shane Shane learned how to take a beating. Put it that way. Yeah. He definitely uh, he definitely knew how. You know, the days of you know now where you know kids aren't allowed to. You know, we we back then all of our parents cracked us and uh you know it was one of those things where you know uh vince i've I've seen vince use shane's head to open up the front door um, (laughs) (laughs) and and i'm not lying about that one that's that's a truth so like uh when we were kids he wasn't supposed to he was not supposed to ride a friend of ours his motorcycle so shane had the bright idea to go walk down the road and uh so we walked down the road and Shane took the motorcycle for a ride. So then all of a sudden here comes Vince with that big barrel chest walking down the driveway. And we're like, Oh darn. Yeah. Here, we didn't say darn. Yeah. So, you know, here comes Vince. And, yeah. And, uh, he comes up to us. He says, boys, we're Shane. Now, no, not one of us would rat. 
we just kind of all looked at each other and we wouldn't say anything, but we didn't need to because here comes Dopey coming around the corner. And sure enough, you know, he, he just looked at us and he says, boys, time to go. <laughs> and then we, we just, we all started to laugh because we knew he was going to catch a beating. So then we got in the car and as we're pulling out of the driveway, we saw, I saw Shane's head open up the front door. <laughs> it just kind of gave him, gave him the old uh, heave ho right through the front door. So yeah. um, it was one of those deals. And we all laughed at others, each other's pain. So when Shane, Shane's head hit the front door, we all kind of laughed. <laughs> so, and that was just, uh, that was our, that was our uh, humor. For, that was our amusement for the, uh, for the day that day. Yeah. And I'm sure that you reminded him of that uh, probably on occasion after that as well. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's, uh, you know, it must have been uh, very interesting to grow up uh, in, around Shane and in, in, uh, in, in that and just living in that area. I mean, I, you know, I was an adult and living there, but uh, as a kid, it must have just been uh, crazy, a wild a playland, really, because especially what you got introduced to. So, uh, you know, moving along here and, you know, uh, you played college football, right? So you, you uh, I did. Yeah, you, we were an athlete. Um, so. Was it your idea? I mean, that you did you always want to? I know you were a wrestling fan, but did you think about stepping into the ring? I did. So when I was like um, about twenty, my father died when I was twenty-two, and after um, after he passed away, uh, I had gone to Shane and I had said to him. Um, you know, I, I felt like it was time. I, I, I reached out to him. I went to his office and sat with him and said, uh, you know, Shane, what do I, what do I need to do? How do I get into the business? I want to become a wrestler. And the funny thing was he said to me, you know, you don't want to do this. He said, you mm -hmm. don't want to get in the business. And I don't know if it was because he didn't want to feel responsible or feel obligated to, you know, whatever the case was about his friends or, or whatever, but he said, you know, you're going to have to go to Memphis and you're going to have to work, you know, they, you'll drain your bank account, which really had not much in it as it is. And he knew that our family was broke. And, and I don't know if it was because, you know, he felt like I should probably stay around for my mom. I don't know the exact reason why, other than possibly that, you know, he didn't want to have to have me go through the experience of having to go to Memphis or whatever. But he, yeah. you know, he downplayed the whole yeah. idea of being in Memphis, Tennessee and working for $25 a day and they treat you like crap and everything. Um, and I really wanted to do it. And it was a dream of mine. And then here, five years later, he calls Rodney and I into his office and says, uh, will you guys do me a favor? And, <laughs> you know, of course, you know, we would do anything for him. And he shows us a script. And he said, "Would you on Sunday? Will you go see Chris Chambers at the studio? I want you to dress real preppy, and I want." And he has a script, and he tears it up, and he says, "I don't want you guys using a script." He goes, "I want you to go there, and I want you to tell stories about us being in, being kids, getting in fights, and um, all the stuff that we used to do as kids." And Chris Chambers is going to cut it up, and he's going to put it together, and you're going to be on Monday Night Raw the following night. And Rodney and I were like, you know just our jaws dropped yeah sure and then so that was we had to be there at 10 o'clock on a sunday morning and rodney rodney came to my uh my house where i was I, I was renting a house with a buddy and uh a couple buddies and uh he came he came to the house and we both drank a 12 pack of beer <laughs> and uh 
to, to, to get rid of the nerves and <laughs> we went over there and, but I mean, Sean, if you saw those vi- vignettes, I mean, I was, I was still built like an offensive lineman. I was, you know, I, I didn't have any type of, I wasn't built like a wrestler. I didn't have any type of, you know, I wasn't, you know, in any type of wrestling shape. I wasn't, you know, I had right. pretty much just given up any type of hope of that. So, <clears throat> and then as we went there, that's when we got into better wrestling shape and everything else as time went on. But, um, so we did these vignettes and things just kind of snowballed. And then they brought us to WrestleMania and it just kind of, you know, after that, they saw the reaction that we got from the crowd and the vignettes and 10 days after WrestleMania, they Shane called us back in and said, how much vacation time do you guys have? And back then raw was on every other week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would do live Monday tape Tuesday for the following Monday. And we were taking time off from work and going on the road. And we did that until we had the loser leave town match, uh, against Briscoe and Patterson that got, uh, really high ratings. And I think, yeah, I mean, incredible high ratings. That wasn't what, uh, yeah, I don't know how long which, that record stayed for, but that was right. A, and that was, yeah. I think, I think that's what got us back there was the ratings. Cause you know, Vince, um, you know, I think the, the thing that, you know, like, and I think, you know, like people used to crap on our characters and even the, you know, the internet wasn't as big then, which probably good for me because, uh, I, I got, I would have got buried, but <clears throat> you know, the thing that people didn't understand from our characters was Vince took two guys from the streets and lit with no, with n- zero training. Yeah. And, and this had never happened before and it'll never happen again, especially now with the performance center and everything else going on. And he put us on live television with the best of the business. And he said, he literally said to us, don't get hurt and don't hurt my guys and just go out there. And Rodney and I wanted to do everything we possibly could to give him everything we had and do the best possible job we could with what we knew, which was nothing. We just threw our bodies around and people just loved hating the fact that we were those, those rich kids from Greenwich, you know, and who, acted like they were above everybody else. And, you know, and then when they decided to bring us back, that's when, uh, that's when the training really began. You know, at first Dr. Tom Pritchard was just teaching us basic bumps to help us survive. And then, then they started teaching us. And then eventually they sent us to Memphis anyway. So I ended up going to Memphis anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's when we started training, um, with Steven Regal. And we had, I, we had some phenomenal trainers, beautiful Bobby Eaton was a trainer and, uh, Jim the Anvil Ninehart was a trainer Jeez. and we had some, yeah, we had some great trainers. And then eventually, you know, down the road, I, I, I was sent to Puerto Rico. I learned from Savio Vega and it was great. I mean, the experience was amazing. Yeah. Absolutely well, incredible. You know, and, and, but backing up on this and you talk about, you know, how people buried yeah. you, but, um, did you, do you, did you ever find out who originally came up with that idea, you know, to have the mean street posse, the Greenwich, uh, was it, was it, did Shane or uh, did you ever find out where that, that seed was planted? So from what I understand, it was Chris Chambers. He, from what I understand, Chris Chambers was the one that, uh, came up with the idea. And I hear there's all the rumors come around. It, it was, uh, kind of like a, a spin-off, like a character th- kind of thing from like the movie, the outsiders. You had the mm-hmm. socias mm-hmm. and the greasers that we were kind of like a socias. And then you hear that. And then, um, Vince Russo said that he kind of took a little credit for it and he's the one that really wanted to run with this once it came up and, 
and uh so you hear you hear that and then um but you know eventually like everything else like eventually vince gets tired of things so he you know he put the kibosh on it after three years but um you know the thing too that the people have to remember is if if it was something that vince like i mean yeah we got a break from from the mcmahon's obviously to get the opportunity but we you know doing them a favor but if it was something that vince didn't see as a money maker you know as well as i do that yeah. there's no way in heck that vince would just be doing it to do us a favor to give us put a few bucks in our pocket you know what i mean yeah like, yeah if, if that was, first uh, night if that first night you guys stepped in that ring and just were horrible that would have been the end of it I mean, they wouldn't have gone with right. it. And, and, that, and that's, that really is amazing, you know, what you said, that you guys were able to uh, actually step in there and pull it off because uh, just to get to that point, just to, to even get a tryout with them, uh, you know, you've got guys that have been at it since they were 16 or 17, and finally they go through, you know, all the indies uh, trying to work their way up and probably early 20s before they do get a sniff. And they're brought in and they might get a shot where they get a dark match, you know, to, to take a look at a guy. And so you're right. I mean, you can you can look at it two ways. You could say, man, look at these guys. They got so lucky uh, to even do that. But it would have been, they opened a door for you, basically what happened. Right. And, then, you know, and then even like within the original Mean Street Posse group, you know, there was there was five of us at WrestleMania. And then out of the five of us, they only kept Rodney and I. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even those guys, you know, like I had no control over that. And, you know, there was some dissension amongst those guys with Rodney. Well, I don't know about with Rodney, but with me, like, oh, why was, why was Pete there? You know? And it was like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was, I've been friends with Shane. I've been with friends with Shane longer. Well, you know, I, you know, like, I have no control over that, you know? And that was, uh, you know, cause one guy went to school with them longer than, you know, than I did or whatever the case is, you know, like that's like, obviously I have no control over something like yeah. that, but, uh, so there was, there was, uh, definitely, um, some anger there with a couple of those guys to this day, mm. um, where, you, you know, like if you see anything on social media, there'll be, they'll be angry, but, but that's something like I can't control. So I don't right. worry about it, but, uh, Absolutely. You know, it's just sad that, you know, that friendship ends over something like that, which is stupid, but, yeah. um, but the way this know, thing happened, it is, like I said. yeah, but the way this thing happened and, uh, you know, it built and, you know, initially the way you physically look, the way you guys dress, the way you had that, that God obnoxious swagger, arrogance, it, it was natural heat. And you saw that. Uh, when it really came to its peak, when you had that match with, uh, you know, Briscoe and, and, and Pat Patterson and, uh, and the high ratings. I mean, if people don't like what they're watching, they turn it off. And they used to watch that, you know, minute by minute. The ratings were, were scaled on there. So for you guys to have accomplished that shows that you guys were great heels. And that is a tremendous compliment to what you guys oh, yeah. did. And I, I hope to this day you, you still feel good about that. Absolutely. And it, it's a feather in, in our caps. And, you know, I remember, uh, Howard Finkel would, would go and he, I remember him watching both shows and mm-hmm. comparing and writing notes for Vince on at this time, you know, WCW was showing, you know, Hogan versus such and such. And at this time, the mean street posse were fighting Briscoe and Patterson mm. and the ratings were, 
and then they would compare the ratings and we beat we beat Hogan that night uh-huh. in the ratings. And I you know, like those those things so for us that night was that was incredible. And then, you know, the but the the the, the cherry on top of it all was the following night, uh, we were driving home, you know, we, we had lost a loser leaf town and we were, we're driving back. And, um, at, by that time, Vince had put the kibosh on Shane driving with us because he didn't want to show, you know, any favoritism towards, towards us in any way, which that's a, that's a book in itself. That whole, yeah. that whole topic. Yeah. Um, because, after you know once we started going on a consistent basis that that really uh there was no favoritism whatsoever um but anyway so we got a phone call from shane driving home that night and uh he said hey guys hold on a second someone wants to talk to you and i'll never forget this and uh i was driving and rodney was uh sitting passenger and he and it was vince and he said boys i want you to know something and then this gets me choked up because I never heard this much from my dad. Mm. Um, he told us he was, he was proud of us mm. because for what we were able to accomplish for what we knew in the business yeah. and for what we were able to do and to get the ratings that we did that, you know, so for us, it was a big deal. Cause like I, like I said, we really wanted to, to do a lot for Vince and uh, to hear that from him. I'm sorry, I get choked up. No, no, I... it, it means a lot to me. So, getting that respect in the locker room and getting that from him means that meant more than uh, than anything. To be honest yeah. with you, sorry, man. I, I get, I get that always gets me every time. Well, I, it, I, I totally understand it, and and especially, um, you know, Vince is not a very emotional guy. I mean, I mean, all the time that I was around, I don't ever remember that, you know, there might've been a couple of moments, but I know with his kids, uh, he is, um, but to have that moment really, and, and to understand that, you know, Vince understands what it takes to be over and, and what, for right. what you guys were able to do, uh, was incredible. And for him to recognize it is, is pretty amazing. Um, you mentioned, right that it wasn't easy in that locker room because initially you're kind of this, um, you know, novelty, I guess you'd call it. And they're figuring, okay, this is something that they're doing with Shane and it's going to blow over and then they're going to go away because there is unbelievable competition in the WWE folks. Uh, There's, and I've mentioned this on many occasions, but you talk about, you know, the NFL has the greatest, greatest collection of athletes in the world. But look how many teams there are, and look how many athletes are on each one of those teams. Well, there's basically one team with the WWE, uh, and that roster stretches maybe, I don't know what it is now. I remember back when I worked, there were the rosters were maybe 60-something. So you got to imagine the incredible competition there is that exists, especially at that point in time. We're talking, you know, 99 and those, you know, 2000, and that, that was uh, – you know, the, the, the WWE is back on top again. So, so to get any minutes on television was big. So uh, what? Yeah. when did that kind of change and you started to realize, okay, this is a different ball game? So, so when we lost the loser leave town match and then they decided to bring us back uh, yeah. a, a month later, and sorry for cracking up a little bit right there um, before, but uh, 
the uh, when they brought us back, he um, that's when the uh, we noticed a change. Not in everybody, but we noticed a change in the locker room. So where we were a novelty at first, and people were like, you know, all oh, these are Shane's buddies. You know, that's cool. And everyone was kind of like, you know, really cool to us and everything. All of a sudden, now it's like, you know, what are they doing here? Why are they back? You know, mm-hmm. why are they on? three segments in one night why are they doing the christmas show as the butlers for stephanie and and triple h and uh why are they doing that and they're on we were literally on probably eight segments and we had a match against too cool and you know so there was like now all of a sudden you see like some of the guys the mid and lower card guys were kind of pissed you know i mean some of the guys weren't the guys that we were close to they were they were cool with us and then it became a thing where the, you know, the guys and I didn't, I knew it, but I didn't, I didn't actually hear it from guys until much later. Um, guys like Bradshaw, and then it wasn't until I did a book signing uh, about a year and a half ago. Bob Holly told me, he, you know, that he told me that these uh, these guys went behind our back would talk in the locker room and say that. Um, they used to see who could break us mm. and they wanted to see. Um, and, and if you ever have him on, he'll tell you, he said, uh, so I was, I'll tell this story, this part of the story real quick. He, um, Bob Holly, I was, I was doing a book signing and I had a, some books left over a couple of eight by tens. I was putting them in a box. I put them back. I put them in my car and I, I went back to say my goodbyes to all the people I hadn't seen in a while. And I was walking, I said goodbye to Bob and I was going to walk away and he grabbed my arm and I turned around and I said, and he said, Hey, I want to talk to you. And I pulled him, he pulled me and I don't know what I can say, what I can't say, but he said, uh, you are, he goes, I want to tell you something. You are one tough son of a bitch. Mm. And he said, I don't know if I, he says, I don't know if I ever told you this or if you knew this, but we used to talk about you guys behind your back when you first got there. And he said, we used to see who could break you guys. And he said, Pete, when we were in the ring, I would punch you for real. And I would mm-hmm. hit you. And you, and he said, you would take, take every bit of it. And you would do, he said, you, you ran with every punch. He said, you did everything you could. And you made me look good. And then when we got in the back, he said, you smiled and you were laughing. And you shook my hand and said, thank you. Because that's it, it, for those that don't know, when you get done with a match, you right. you basically shake hands and hug it out and say thank you, and basically you're saying thank you because you protected each other and you 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 took care of each other. Now this guy tried to knock my head off, and I'm thanking mm. him. Yeah. So it's basically like mind effing him back because he tried to beat the hell out of me, and I'm basically saying thank you, and he couldn't basically he couldn't get the best of me. Yeah. And, um, so when he did it, I, when he said that to me, I kind of laughed and I said, Bob, I said, I, I grew up with two older brothers and they used to beat the piss out of me. <laughs> and I said, I said, uh, I, I always learned if you, if you, if you whined and you bitched and moaned or whatever, all that did was bring on more beatings. Right. And I said, uh, I said, I wanted to get respect in that locker room. And I knew that doing it, if I complained or did anything, I said, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say nothing hurt. I said, but you didn't really hurt me that bad. I said, you mm. didn't give me a black eye. You didn't do anything. I was like, but you know, I said, I'm not looking for you to knock me out now. I said, but 
you know, I said, I just, I went with it and I was fine with it because I knew what my role was. And he yeah. says, well, he says, you're absolutely right. And he goes, I want you to know that you earned my respect. And I said, he said, I want you to know that when I got back in the locker room, Bradshaw and those guys would bust on me that I couldn't, that I couldn't break you. And he, and he, you know, and the same thing with Bradshaw, Bradshaw wrapped yeah. a chair around my head yeah. and, and, uh, you know, at, on a Monday night raw. And he told me months later that he tried to take my head off. And when we, yeah. when we got back, when we got back, uh, to the, uh, behind the curtain, I did the same thing with him. And he was before, uh, Bob Holly <clears throat> and I shook his hand and I said, thank you. And he said to me, um, a lot sooner than Bob did, obviously, but he said, that's the day I earned his respect. In fact, he, he did that. He, I earned his respect so much that he even wrote, he was one of the people that wrote one of my, he was one of the two guys, him and Adam wrote the forwards to my book. Mm. So for that, you know, that was great. Yeah. And in some ways uh, you had, you guys had it tougher than others. And I'm, I'm certainly not making light of people making their way in the WWE, but uh, you said you really had to prove yourself night after night to these guys that, yeah, dish whatever you want, but I'm coming back tomorrow night. And uh, that yeah. is the way you did it, because you're right. If you would have done it another way, uh, whined and complained or gone to one of the agents and says he's being too stiff with me, that would have made it really bad. And so uh, yeah. as, as much as the physical uh, pain you took, and like you said, you had many headshots you're probably paying for today, uh, that um, earned you a lot of respect with those guys. And it's pretty obvious, but you tell them that years later, these guys came back and told you differently. And it's, um, that's really a credit to what you were able to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, we, Rodney and I knew that we got a break and, you know, it was something that when we got a taste of it and it was something that, uh, me personally, I always dreamt of doing, and it was like one of those things where I wanted to stay so bad. You know, I remember being hurt so bad, like it, my, I hurt my leg one night so bad, and it was actually before the Briscoe and Patterson, the, the match that we we um we had the ratings, and mm -hmm. it, that morning, I remember I was in so much pain I I could barely get out of bed and walk, and I remember uh, back then Rodney and I had to room together. And, um, I remember getting up and like, literally like crawling to get my shoes on and getting out. It was probably like five in the morning. And I remember walking, like getting like limping outside and then like sitting down on it. And I was like, I had to get that muscle working cause I wasn't going to miss Monday night raw. Cause I had mm. gotten hurt on a house show. And I remember there's nothing's going to Cause in our, in my biggest fear was missing a show and then them saying you're cut. So we, we, mm. we were, there were times we were hurt and we were not missing a thing. We would yeah. like, I, you know, you see guys now, like, you know, they get hurt or, you know, they get concussions and you know, they, they're on that concussion concussion protocol. And like, I just, I mean, they they didn't have that then. And I, I know there was times where I, I wrestled and, I remember, so the, the night after the Bradshaw chair shot, we flew to Tallahassee and I'll, we flew on a, a charter flight. And I remember we were on the tarmac and we were waiting for our bags to come off. And I remember Mick Foley coming up to me and he, uh, he said to me, he's like, are you okay? And I said, yeah, <laughs> I said, I'm good. And he said, Pete, he said, I've taken a lot of chair shots. And then he yeah. told me the story. And I, of course, with rock, 
you know, he took, I forgot 13 or something chair yeah. shots from the rock. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, he told me the whole story and he said, but not one of those chair shots was as brutal as the one that Bradshaw gave really? me. Really? Wow. And yep. Cause and that, uh, that's said, like classic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And to get that from him, you know, mm. and that was, you know, and then not even, uh, a, you know, after he and I stopped talking, you know, Jericho came over and I remember he goosed me and he said, uh, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, you know, you're going to be facing the acolytes again tonight. He said, uh, especially being in, in Tallahassee where Ron Simmons went to FSU. Yeah. And he said, uh, do yourself a favor. Don't take another chair shot to the head this soon. And, uh, so, you know, me being a dummy, I was like, screw that. I'm taking one now, you know, cause I'm not going to be, you know, it might, yeah. but I didn't, you're not going to go to I them and say, I don't, don't think this is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would that would never be it. And then, yeah. sure enough, like when we when we got when we were going over the match, we had, of course had to face the posse. I mean, uh, the acolytes rather. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, they were the agents were like, uh, you know, Pete does not get hit in the head with a chair tonight. Mm. You know, and then you know, he was like telling Bradshaw, if you're going to hit him, hit him in the back. Yeah. And uh, so, and then sure enough, you know, like he listened and he gave Rodney a chair shot to the head, which was pretty stiff, but, um, yeah, it was just, it was, uh, you know, I think like signs like that where Mick's coming up to me and Jericho's coming up to me and stuff like that. To me that those are signs where like people were kind of like, you know, you know, these guys are okay. You know, cause he were like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And I would never let anyone know if I was hurt. And, you know, to me, I wasn't hurt, but I'm sure I killed some brain cells that day, you know? Yeah. But. Well, and, you know, and you, and you mentioned about when you, like, you first came in, you guys don't know what you're doing. You, you have really no training. You're, you're trying to catch up. They're training you at night. Uh, you're working during the week <laughs> in a real job. And, uh, and, and you get to 2001, and, and they send you, or before that, they send you to Memphis, but you're, you're training. And you're at a point where I, I imagine you start to feel like you're 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 getting this business. You're able to work. You're 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 um, doing well, and then it's over. And first, I mean, tell us how that happened. When did it get to that point? And was it just a numbers game and what was going on because they had so much happening with the company? Uh, what was going on then? Well, um, you know. I- Back then, and I don't know how much different it is now because I'm not there. Um, yeah. Back then, you had writers yeah. assigned to you, and um, you know, I our writer had left, and he had gone to uh, he had gone t- to write a show with uh, one of the writers from the uh, from another um, a talk show, mm-hmm. and he wanted to go. You know, they they went and did stuff, and then so we noticed as soon as he left to go do an, an, another show, um, that's when our characters started to, to decline. Uh-huh. And, um, we were doing less and less. And then the next thing you know, we were, they didn't have much for us. So they were, we were working a lot of dark matches. And then eventually, um, we were pulled off from traveling on TV and we were just in Memphis trying to develop characters. And then, you know, the talk was that we were going to be going, uh, going back as the mean street posse once Shane had bought nitro according to mm-hmm. the storyline. And then, so they were going to bring us in as the mean street posse because it would only make sense that we, we would be with his, their, their buddy Shane. 
and then right. we would split up in the storyline. And then by then, um, uh, we, so we had, had, we had developed our own separate characters and ready for the, you know, to be called up. And then I was, uh, I got a call from Dennis Brent, who was with JR and mm-hmm. doing talent relations. And they said that they wanted me to go to Puerto Rico. They wanted me to become somewhat of a high flyer. They wanted me to work with Savio Vega. They wanted me to do more. Uh, they wanted to advance my training, which I thought was, I didn't understand it. Um, because, you know, I'd heard from Percy, who was Paul Bearer, who was scouting at the time. And he, he was telling me that I was ready to be called up that now by that time, when I first started, I was 285 pounds and I was built like an offensive lineman. But by the time this happened where I'm talking about, I was 240 pounds and I was built much, much differently. And, uh, I can work. And, you know, you put all this hard work in and you, you, we watched films, we did everything we could. And, and that's why we, we had made so made it so far was because we treated every day. We about, we, our thing was about getting better. Yeah. And, you know, I, I watched all the great ones and I got, I asked for help and I asked questions and guys like Adam, Adam Copeland would help me. And since day one, when I first met him, he was always there to help me. And, uh, you know, he's always been a great friend to me. And, um, but like, so you get to this point where, you know, when you're on television, you didn't know crap. And now all of a sudden you, you, yeah. you know what you're doing, you understand philosophy and you know how to put together a match and now you're ready to go. And then from, you know, you hear that now Vince isn't interested in your character anymore. And now you're in Puerto Rico. And then I get a call from, uh, Joey abs, the third member of the mean street posse. Now they're in Memphis and they're saying to me, um, he said, he said he needed someone to talk to that was going to make him smile. And I said, what's the matter? And he said he just got released. And yeah. I said, no way. Now, I'm in, Puerto R- I'm in Puerto Rico, and they're in Memphis. I said, you're kidding me. And he said, no. And he goes, Rodney's in there right now. And he said, they're either sending people home or they're sending them to Louisville. So guys like in Memphis, we were, we were with guys like Daniel Bryan, uh, Lance Cade, Ron Killings, you know, our truth. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Lisa Marie, who was also, her, her name was Victoria. Uh-huh. in wrestling yeah. um yeah we had a we had a great group of people there and then uh the um we had a, so anyway we had a bunch of guys there and uh a lot of people were getting cut or sent to louisville and you know in louisville you had uh you know batista was you know about to be called up uh yeah. brock lesnar all those guys were just about to be called up and you know they they were going there so I remember I was riding along in Puerto Rico. I was riding along with D'Lo Brown and Mosh from the Headbangers because we were all there, you know, training together and we were going to a show. And I, I remember sitting in the back of the car and I remember D'Lo was asking me what's wrong because I was quiet. Yeah. And I said, I just have a bad feeling, you know, there's something wrong. And he said, Pete, he said, you're not in Memphis. You're in Puerto Rico. you got to get it out of your head. I said, yeah, but we're a group. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why. You know, I said, they're, they're going to, if they're going to let one of us go, they're going to let all of us go. I could feel it. Mm-hmm. And then the next, sure enough, that was on a Wednesday on the Thursday, I went grocery shopping. I remember like an idiot and I was walking with all these groceries 
And uh, I don't know if you remember Bob Clark, but mm. Bob Clark, he was, he worked under Jr. He called me up and he said, um, peak. And I talked to you. And as soon as I saw his yeah. number, I knew I was getting cut. Uh-huh. And, uh, so I just said to him, I said, uh, I, he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm walking with groceries. He said, all right, I, I'll call you back in 10 minutes. And I said, just give me the effing news. And he said, well, you know, we're going a different way. You know, we, we, we want you to go to Japan. Um, JR is going to put you in, t- in touch with Dr. Death, which he never did. And, uh, mm-hmm. so then, and then by then, you know, soon, soon thereafter was nine 11 and no one was doing shows, not even Indies. So then there was nowhere to go. So that was pretty much the end of, uh, my wrestling career. So uh, after that, and, and I'm sure you were eternally grateful to your friend Shane. Um, but was it awkward after that for a while or you guys just were friends all the way through it and you knew how to separate the two? So, yeah, it's funny you say that. So I, I think I put that in the book. So after, after I got released, my car was in, in Alabama. I was dating a girl there. I got in my car. I drove straight to straight back home and I went straight to Titan tower and, uh, the following day and I went and saw Shane and, you know, I walked into his office and, and afterwards he said he thought I was going to blast him one in the face and punch <laughs> him out for cut for being cut. Yeah. But instead I, I was just the opposite. I, I, uh, I went over to him and uh, I put my hand out and I shook his hand and I said, thank you for the best three years of my life. I can never repay you. Um, you know, I'm still reaping the benefits from it to this day. I mean, I still get to do the edge and Christian show. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's still things I have, I have friends that I will have for the rest of my life. And, you know, there's certain things that, you know, you, you gotta look at it as the glass is half full and yeah. <clears throat> look at it, you know, like, Without Shane, I would never have had those opportunities. Um, you know, like, again, you know, they, they gave us an opportunity, but we made the most of it. And, you know, it was with, through hard work and and trying is what, what made us stay there. Because, like I said, Vince would yeah. never have kept us if we didn't work hard. Yeah. But it was more about um, the opportunity and, 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 and my friendship and my love for him that I just wanted to be able to uh, – thank him and so you know i gave him a big hug and and uh we sat down and we laughed and we reminisced and and you know he appreciated that and you know rodney unfortunately uh didn't have those same feelings that i did Mm. and unfortunately to this day they don't speak um really so we're yeah so that's it's that's it's hard because rodney didn't um didn't want to speak to Shane because Shane reached out to him. Mm-hmm. And then um, when Rodney finally realized that he, that, you know, through me talking to him or whatever, and over time that, you know, his chance was given through him and that, you know, his glass should be half full. Yeah. <clears throat> By then Shane was, Shane's feelings were hurt because, you know, yeah. it was, it was years after that. And then, wow. You know, and I, and I know that to this day, Rodney regrets that. And, yeah. um, cause we, from time to time, we'll talk about it and, you know, he regrets the whole, how he handled the thing. So it's, it's sad, but it's one of those things now where, you know, it's those two guys are, you know, 
there's a lot of testosterone built up in those two guys. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, and it's too bad too, because those, those two guys were probably better friends than any one of the posse guys or, or the original guys or whatever. Those two were the closest. So it's just too bad that they, ne- they never were able to reconcile. So hopefully one day I can, uh, you can make that there, happen. There was times where Rodney, yeah, because Rodney, Rodney and I had fights when we were younger and, and where we didn't talk for like six, eight months, whatever. And, and Shane would be the one to get us. <laughs> Shane would take us to a strip club and he'd make <laughs> us sit at the bar. I swear to this is a true story. Make us sit at the, sit at the bar and he wouldn't let us leave the bar area until we, until we, he, he'd buy us like a bunch of beer, make us sit there and talk it out while he went and got lap dances. And then it had to be straightened out and we had, we would straighten everything out and then we'd go yeah. out and sell, and then we'd go celebrate. So, yeah. and he, he did that, you know, he's, he's, uh, Shane, Shane was always really in, you know, people always think I'm really like kissing his butt, but he, it's, it's the way the guy is. And, uh, but he's, uh, he's been the glue to the, to the whole thing. And, you know, it's his, uh, the way he is as a person that makes it so special. And, and I know, uh, that was it for you in the business. I know you, you had, I wanted to try and continue it, but of course, like you said, nine 11, it happened. The business took a big hit for a while and you had to get back yeah. to work. And, and, um, but, uh, through all these years, have, have you and Shane and, and Shane went off on his own for a while, but have you always remained close and still to this day? Always. Yeah. I, I mean, unfortunately, you know, like I've always, you know, we have different lives now where, you know, he's, when he was on his own, he was, you know, like he, when he left WWE, um, I reached out to him and we took a trip to Boston to go see a mutual friend. And, uh, we had a, a good long talk on the, uh, you know, I said to him, he wanted to drive and I said, ah, let's just, let's just get a, uh, couple of cheap flights and just fly coach and go up. And then he has to one up it and he gets a private jet, but that's a whole other story. And then we're on, we're on a, we're on a private jet, me, him and another guy. And then, and, uh, the other guy fell asleep and he and I had a little heart to heart on the, on the plane. And, you know, we talked about some things and, you know, and, uh, so, I mean, I, I knew all along from our discussion, what was going on and, and, uh, you know, he confided some things in me and, um, so, you know, my heart breaks for him on certain things. And so I, I, I get it. I know where he's at, but, uh, that's why when, when he came out in Detroit, there was no, you know, I was probably in the top five happiest people when I saw his, uh, his ugly mug come out from, uh, when I heard that music hit, so it was yeah. great. But you have to wonder how many, you know, the, those bumps. He just can't. <laughs> he's not a young man anymore. I remember when he was a kid, but uh, no. you can't keep yeah. taking those bumps. No. And he just—I uh, don't know. I, I can't think of many in the business who have ever taken more hellacious bumps than he has. No, it's his love for the business, and yeah. I think he just—you know—I I think he just has something to prove. There's yeah. something that he's always, uh, in my opinion, he has something to prove and, and, you know, it's his love and desire to be, you know, something absolutely special. And I think he does that. Yeah, and that's, really? you know, that's, that's what makes him, you know, and I, I hear, you know, like I read dirt sheets. I, I listen to radio, I bust it open. I read, I listen to podcasts. I listen to all that stuff. And I hear people knock him and how, you know, he doesn't, 
he's going to be, uh, you know, bad in this match. And it's going to, you know, WrestleMania is going to stink his match. And then he goes out and he steals the show. And I'm like, yeah. It just, I shake my head. I'm like, this guy's 46, 47, 48, all these, you know, and I just keep seeing, you know, and, and this kid's going to turn 49 in less than two weeks. Sure. And, you know, on, you know, on the 15th of, 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 uh, January, he turns 49 and I'll be the first one to remind him that he's going to be 49. <laughs> and we laugh about it, but he, yeah. um, but he just, you know, it's one of those things where he, uh, he just has this desire to, to, prove people wrong and i love it i love that about him he just it's 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 in his blood just to prove people wrong and it's a part of his father that's in him that just has to show people that he has it in him and it, it's just it's awesome amazing well i'm i'm that's awesome though that you guys are still as close after all these years uh, folks the book is called looking at the lights my path from fan to a wrestling heel uh you can get it pretty much everywhere i imagine uh, pete on amazon and all the other book outlets Yes, that's correct. Amazon's um, the most consistent place. It's got. It's actually pretty inexpensive now too, so it's uh it's good. The best part about it, I mean, we had a. Uh, I haven't. I've yet to find someone say that it's really a, a bad read. So people no, enjoy no, it. it is not. And we and you so. told us a lot to, uh, in this conversation, but folks, there's a lot of stories that uh, he hasn't told, and and it, it is. It's a great read, uh, and so pick it up if you get a chance. It's. Uh, Got some pretty great insight, and it's not just from uh, that friendship with Shane, but uh, the the uh, road from uh, someone who you know just plucked out of the streets, basically those mean streets of Greenwich, but uh, actually getting it done and and, you, and having tremendous memories in in uh, uh, with the WWE, and I and life is good now. Now you're in Florida. Yeah, now I'm in Florida. Uh, my bones don't hurt from the winters up in Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, enough sure. of those. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm sitting here now, and in, in the heat, I don't have the air conditioning on because I didn't want the background noise. So I'm sitting mm. here in a puddle of sweat, but I'm doing good, and I'm going to go home and shower. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I didn't want edgy Christian comments, but um, yeah, I uh, it's it's good though. We're having some. We're in Jacksonville, and uh, Pete, really, it's been great talking to you. I hope I hope we work again uh, together soon. You never know. Yeah. Uh, with ENC, Sounds good. and we'll, we'll have some more fun, yeah. but uh, thanks for taking the time and, and sweating it out with us today. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally sweating it out. All right, man. Thanks, bud. I appreciate the time.